0: On this week of the Writing Fiction Podcast, Regina and I are going to discuss Highland's fourth rule on writing, which is?
1: Uh, you must put your story on the market.
0: All right. So we're going to talk about that in a second. But first, Bookworms, the fourth issue is available. And it's doing well. A lot of people yep. uh picking it up. You can go check out the link in the show notes to pick it up. It's our bloody Valentine, and it looks great.
1: It does look great. And there are some good uh, stories in there and some poems.
0: Yeah, this is the first time we did poetry, so I'm I'm excited about that as well.
1: And the new one is open for submissions. It's a rock and roll theme. I'm really looking forward to this one, and I've already gotten a few submissions.
0: All right. Yeah, that's mine. So
1: there should probably be information in the show notes about that, too.
0: All right, we'll put that... Well, there's always information in the show notes for submitting, but I'll make sure it says the theme in there.
1: Yeah, I have a post uh, on my blog.
0: Anything? Have you done anything new in YouTube this week or last week?
1: Uh, Well, I started a new for the month of February. It's called the Gothic Hearts Reading Challenge. It's It's a reading challenge that I'm hosting with a few other BookTubers. And we did it last year, and so for the month of February we're reading nothing but gothic romance. So, I read the first two books and after this recording, I'm going to record my video kind of summing up the first week and I've done some vlogs on my Patreon page. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Oh, for YouTube.
0: Yeah, so I check love gothic out Gothic
1: Romance. It's it's kind of like it's that sweet spot for me between horror and romance.
0: So, give me a title of one of the books that you've read.
1: Well, uh, the two books I read, I read one newer one called The Au Pair by Emma Roos. The Au Pair was a newer book that came out, for me, newer is like in the last 20 years, and can't say I really liked it very much. And I've gotten this comment many times before about why on my YouTube channel, don't I review newer books? And I always come back to, I don't like them as much. I don't know, because then I read one from 1975, which was one of those pulp paperbacks, that the short books, it was called Witch's Crossing by Florence Stevenson. I'll be reviewing that on my channel. I loved it because it was, the word I was looking for was conventions. It sticks to the conventions of Gothic romance in that pulp sense where there were these very quick, kind of like Harlequin romances. And in fact, Harlequin did do a gothic line. I don't know if they still do. but uh, And they're actually really hard to find. The sure. new one mm-hmm. I found was just silly and filled with fluff. It was 400 pages of nothing, where the other one was less than 200 pages of jam-packed adventure. So that's where I am on those two books. But it might just be me, and I like older stuff because I'm old.
0: <laughs> you can find Regina's YouTube channel in the show notes and watch what she has to say about those two books and other stuff coming up. And on my YouTube, yep. I did what I finished in January, the books I finished in January. And I just did a short on Joe Hill's horns,
1: mm-hmm. which I I have that book, but I have not read it yet.
0: I feel so bad that I waited so long to read it.
1: Yeah, I good. like
0: his work, but when I read this, I'm like, why, why did I wait so long to read this? I really enjoyed the hell out of it. No pun okay. intended. I to...
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I know there's a movie too.
0: The movie I watched after I read the book, it was awful.
1: It, oh, <laughs> okay. I mean,
0: I don't know if it's because they cast Harry Potter in it, but my my point that I made out, like in my little short, is that you really feel the connection of the characters in the book. You don't feel any connection, and it's just really shallow in the movie. mmm Sometimes
1: stuff. it's just hard to translate a story into film.
0: I don't think you could translate that one. You could translate like the they did the visuals and stuff, but you can't get those relationships across the way he uh-huh. did in the book. Yeah. And you can find us on Instagram at bookworms horror zine. Yeah, I believe that's the whole thing, at bookworms horror zine. Uh Carney and he updates you want to say or any Anything going on with Carney?
1: No, it's still out there. Oh, I do have an update. I um, was chosen, among many, I suppose, to be part of Amazon's beta experiment, whatever you want to call it, for uh, virtual voice audiobooks. So now a lot of my titles are available in audiobook. And it is like computer generated, but I've listened to some of it. Sounds pretty darn good and you can go in if you're an author you can choose the voice that you feel best matches they, they don't give you that many choices but you can do male voice female british american and then different kind of
0: Now do you pay tones. for that feature? I would assume you would pay for that feature.
1: Do I pay for No, I as the author do not pay for that feature.
0: So they just At least at this point you just go into it and then if they buy it I guess
1: it's just another, it's just another version of the book. So, Interesting. so now Carney is available in print, paperback and audio. That is so is cool. Really cool.
0: Well, let's talk about Heinlein's fourth rule and what okay. you think that is all about.
1: Well, I pulled up a, a website called sciencefictionwriter.com. Do you know this? It has a, a good description of all of Heinlein's rules. Okay. Of course, Heinlein was a sci-fi writer. Yep. But uh, let me just read a little bit of this because I think this is is a good way of kind of introducing the topic of rule four. Uh, So rule four, you must put your story on the market. This is the hardest rule of all for beginners. You can't simply declare yourself to be a professional writer. Rather, it's a title that must be conferred upon you by those willing to pay money for your words until you actually show up your work to an editor You can live the fantasy that you're every bit as good as so-and-so, but having to see if that fantasy has any grounding in reality is a very hard thing for most people to do. So that's some tough love there, I think. Yeah. But I think that's true. Like, And and it doesn't have to, of course, Highlands Rules were written before there was this...
0: Before Amazon,
1: before the dark times. Before before the dark times of (laughs) self-publishing. But you could say, well, if someone is willing to pay money for my book, that is a sign that I am a professional writer. That's yes, how I look at it.
0: That is exactly true. Like, it doesn't matter that you got a publisher to pick you up and pay you. You yeah. put the book out there and people are buying it. That's the same concept that we're talking about. This is like an update to that rule. Right.
1: I, I do. I do think that there is... Something, and even though I don't make a lot of money when I look at my stats over the years and and see the thousands of dollars that have accrued, it makes me feel good, you know,
0: yeah, I feel the same way about my music that I don't even try, like I literally just recorded some stuff and put it up there, and I don't have a lot, but it's there, and like I got something that was like the one song got over a thousand views and or listens, and it's on people's playlist, you know, like yeah and i don't know if that's just cuz we're coming from a time period where that was for, you would not get that reach to 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 get global people listening to or reading your stuff that's just unbelievable
1: well yeah it's the same with in the in the old days let's say with and i don't even know what the stats are for best selling writers but selling a couple hundred books was probably good but now i'm selling thousands of copies and or, or thousands are uh, reading it on uh, the different platforms and stuff. So, and, and I'm small potatoes compared to some of these people as self-publishing are doing extremely well and making a lot of money. I, I, I'm trying to figure out how they do it and, and apply apply their tools, but maybe they're using AI. I don't know, but uh, it's uh, I think this rule makes it a little better for beginners or someone, uh, Derek Murphy has a great YouTube channel. I don't know if you ever, I, I mentioned it before, but he's he does some tough love for, for self-published authors. He's all about like writing to market and this kind of thing. But he said, your first goal should be to make $1, meaning that you have a dollar from that book that you paid the editor, let's say $1,000 to proofread. You paid five hundred dollars for the cover let's say you paid another five hundred for advertising so that's two thousand dollars if you can make a dollar now on top of that you're you're a, you're, you're a successful author so and, yeah and but what, what is he talking about that? is he
0: saying that a dollar over the two thousand so you sold and you made two thousand and one dollars or just... yes
1: that that you that, no that you broke that you paid for your costs
0: and then $1. made it yes yes that's what i mean yeah that's that's Boy, if you can do that, more power to you. That's not easy.
1: No, it's not easy.
0: Um, because the percentage you get on a, a sale, you know, isn't. You know, it takes a lot to get to even that much. But um, it does.
1: Like the, the like the horror tube anthologies I produced uh, were, were three, and I give that money to charity. So every year I go in and see how much profit they they made. So the first anthology has already paid for itself. That was actually the most successful one. So the first year I was able to pay like I I think it was five hundred dollars to charity, which is pretty good. Yeah. And then the second year was another couple hundred dollars. But that really, that whole uh, process really made me see how long it takes to make a profit. And that book sold pretty well.
0: Yeah. Same uh, with same with Spotify and Apple Music. Like literally, I have my stuff out there, and thousands and thousands of listens between my songs, you might make 10 bucks. Like Mm -hmm. it is insane how little you make. And if I was doing it for money, I I would, if if my goal as a musician was to make money putting my stuff out there, that's why everybody's on tour. You can't make money unless you're getting millions and millions and millions of listens on those streaming services. So people go on tour. That's how they're making their money. And, yeah, we
1: saw a band last night, like a, a, a kind of like a, a cool retro style bluegrass band, and they were on tour, and you could kind of tell they were tired. Like, they did a great performance, but they were tired, because it's just exhausting.
0: Yeah, it's the only way they're making money now. And, and
1: selling their merch.
0: Yeah, and selling merch. That's it. And I see, I, I don't know, like, to me, I'm just doing, I am happy people are listening. I don't care about the money when it comes to the music. It's like mm-hmm. you know that the numbers of the listens is what I go for. But if I was doing it for money, I would make sure I was writing a song every week and putting it out there because the more it's numbers game at that point, the more songs mm-hmm. you have, the more listens you get, the more money you get.
1: But it's really hard to do that. Like the the professional YouTubers who make money who make a living on YouTube, yeah. Those people get really burnt out. I've seen it happen. Well, so that's interesting because... They feel a pressure to be constantly putting out videos.
0: There's a guy named... I'm going to get it wrong. Marcus. He's a tech guy. Mm -hmm. And he's been all over the place this week because Apple's Vision Pro came out. He was doing reviews and stuff, but I saw... uh, I didn't watch it, but it was like... The headline of the one video was like quitting YouTube. Mm -hmm. And this guy is... He makes a ton of money because one of his videos is he bought an iPhone that was never opened, the original iPhone that was never opened, for $40,000 so he can unbox it. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. $40,000. So that's the kind of money he's making where he can just easily go spend $40,000 to open a box. Wow. On YouTube. (laughs) It's insane. But when we're talking about writers – How much control in the publishing world, let's say traditional publishing, getting your stuff to market, I mean, it's really up to whoever you, you know, send your stuff out to and whether they like it or not, versus if you do it self-publishing, you can do that, but you're also not guaranteed people are going to buy it.
1: True. I, I, you know, I follow on Twitter, sometimes people who are querying with With editors and they're sending their manuscripts and that's that's a whole game that i have not participated in but maybe one day i i will create something that i i think i should go straight to well i've done i did it a little bit with small presses but i mean like in that kind of big arena and that's of course extremely competitive
0: which i am just trying that route. I don't even, only want to get a novel, but for like the short stories, I have the story yeah. I'm working on now. That one's going to go out to see if it gets published.
1: Oh, the clown story. Yes. Yes. How's that going? I haven't, I haven't written one yet. I was thinking if, there, if I have time, I might try.
0: It's good. I mean, I finished the first draft and I'm working, going in and just like doing my best to make it as best as I can. I I mean, I know what the story is. I know the beginning, the middle end. I know it. I just am trying to make it like good prose so other than that I'm, <laughs> I'm having fun with it but the story I'm working on the 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 book I'm working on is the sunglasses at night one.
1: Oh, uh, I love that idea yeah
0: so that I'm gonna take my time and once that's done I'm gonna try to probably get an agent not like send it out to a publisher but to an agent so they can yep. get me a publisher um, oh, that's a great idea so um yeah but I don't know I think what I would do with self-publishing would be what you did with your short stories if I end up having a lot of short stories that don't get picked up and just putting out my own and seeing if anyone yeah. buys that, you know:
1: I think in the horror genre is is still the, there are still a lot of readers for short stories in in that genre, so that's good. But I think in Highlands Day there there were just a few perhaps uh, periodicals, journals, magazines like the big ones that would publish stories, and they would you can make pretty good money. Do you remember? I never bought them, but my father (laughs) loved to read Playboy, and I remember how great uh, there was Playboy, Penthouse, and Esquire, and I remember how great those stories were. Do you did you ever read any of the fiction? And, and then he was the only reason I got the here. books
0: <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> just to read the articles.
1: So but do you remember?
0: Yeah. No, a lot of famous people were in playboy. Um, I, I'm,
1: and I, I, yeah, uh, what I collect these and I, I have a great collection of them. I need to add more to my collection of, of those old Omni magazines.
0: Oh yes. I thought you were going to say playboy. I'm like, what?
1: No, I don't collect playboy, but, uh, Omni magazine had, it's a science fiction magazine that was, popular in the 70s and the 80s and then I I guess it died down in the 90s I'm not really sure sure when the last publication date was but that was a beautiful glossy magazine like incredible artwork and they have great stories like I, I read those still so when Hyland is is submitting he's submitting to magazines and this kind of thing where they would pay pretty well as far as I'm concerned today the market is a lot different and it doesn't pay as much. But like with bookworms, we try to pay a pretty fair rate, but I don't know if you can make a living unless you're really prolific writing short stories for a living. I don't know. What do you think? Are you sending out like once a week?
0: Uh no, 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 no. Okay. I'm not even close to that. All right. I have this one story I'm working on for April. I'm not under I'm not pressuring myself for anything. I have a job. I don't right. need to have, like, to me, it's not like I need to make this happen. You know, it's like, so I'm just like, okay, let me just work on my craft and send it out and just for as a hobby, like how people would like build in their garage on a weekend. That's kind of how I look at it. And right. uh, and,
1: and this, if, if, if I may, this is another part of this uh, sciencefictionwriter.com blog. When they talk about Rule 4, this is kind of interesting, and I think it's part of this rule that should be considered. Uh, He writes, I know one Canadian aspirant writer who managed to delay for two years sending out a story because he said he didn't have any American stamps for the self-addressed stamp. (laughs) This despite the fact that he'd known dozens of people who went regularly to the States and could have gotten stamps for him, and despite the fact that he could have driven across the border." himself, and picked up stamps. No, it wasn't stamps he was lacking. It was backbone. He was afraid to find out whether his prose was saleable. Yes. Don't be a coward. Send your story out. And then each... It's funny because with each... I'll send you a, a link to this. I hope I'm not plagiarizing by quoting this guy. No, name. you
0: just got to say this is where you got... The, yes, science story.
1: fiction, uh, sfwriter.com. But he... Uh, at, at the bottom in parentheses, it says, of the 12 writers left, half of them won't work up the nerve to make a submission, leaving just six. So with each rule, it becomes less and less writers are actually going to follow these rules and there's less competition as you move through them, which I also think is interesting because I do know plenty of writers who say they're going to write. And and look, it's no judgment because I was there too. at one point but they they won't submit ever because or or self-publish because I don't know maybe they're just they don't think it's good enough or they lack confidence or it will never be ready that kind of thing right and I think you need to get over that as a writer the the preciousness of your work definitely lessens the more you get out there and and get rejections and and just keep Pushing new new work out, you don't you stop caring as much, and you, you're just moving on to the next thing. I think that's a good practice.
0: Yeah, fear is what is stopping people from from following this rule, and it is a palpable thing. I mean, you're you're putting a lot of your identity into this prose, and then mm-hmm. when someone rejects it, it feels like they're rejecting you as a person, as a human, and.
1: I- Right. That's but painful. you know, from, since doing bookworms and being on that other side of the rejection, I see how impersonal it really is. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It is. It is impersonal. Like there have been so
1: many great bookworm stories as submissions, like, we're, we're great that we just didn't have room to put in. It, it wasn't the quality of the story. And it's really hard to decide to make that final decision between this story that's excellent and this story that's excellent. I want to do both. Sometimes it just gets down to, okay, just choose one randomly. It, it really does. Then I also try to uh, have a, a mix of, of different types of people or whatever, but it doesn't always even work out that way. It's just, okay, these are both good. How do you, you know, toss a coin? So it's not a rejection of, certainly not a rejection of the person, but it's not even a rejection of the story. Yeah. It's hard to do that. But being on that side of it, I don't feel as personally injured. Now when my story gets rejected, which most of the time they do.
0: And it's it's okay. Yeah. And it's a craft. I mean, you have to realize that if this was woodworking, you know, your first chair, you know, someone might sit in and it breaks, you know, like, (laughs) Uh. Your
1: story is breaking when I sat, your story broke when I sat in it.
0: Yeah. And so like, if that's the case, do you just say, I'm no good at this? I mean, you know, you just go and work on the, the second chair and it gets better each time. And we can, we see that and it's silly to, to laugh at like I made a chair and like I, it broke and now I'm worthless. You would just like, you learn from your mistakes and you get better at your craft. Right, but
1: I think there's something about writing, like you said, that does—it's so personal sometimes that you put your heart and soul into it that the rejection feels personal, perhaps at first.
0: Yeah, but I think—and that's where the
1: backbone comes in. Yeah, you do need need the backbone,
0: right? And what I'm trying to say is not so much that it's not—that's not true. What I'm saying is, you need to reframe Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how you're thinking about what you're doing. You have to see it as a craft, as practice, as work. You know, like there was a podcast I was listening to. It's actually called The Honest Authors. And so far, I'm enjoying it. Okay. And uh the one woman was talking about something. She's like, but well, this is my job. This is, you know, like when she was talking about maybe sending something in. And then the editor comes back and says this, this, this. And she's like, but that's my job. That's what I do. Like, it, we we know that there's parts of any job that you might not enjoy. But that's part of the job.
1: Right. Or things that you... You're, you have blind spots so you don't see sections where you think you're being very clear and it's wonderful but if a reader is giving you that feedback or an editor hey I, you know this part was confusing to me you should listen to that I mean you, you can listen or not listen but you should listen to, to try to you know ask yourself well let me read it with maybe a different set of eyes or give it some space and come back and look at it and see if, if I know what they're talking about. Because it's it's hard to get out of your story sometime. That's why that that the old, uh, you know, put it away and then pull it out and, and look at it again. Hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised. Like, oh my gosh, I forgot how good this
0: was. That is a weird <laughs> a, phenomenon.
1: Yeah. Isn't it though?
0: It is true. It's 100% true. Even with music. Mm-hmm. So I had heard a song I wrote that I recorded like 100 years ago. And I was listening to it. And I'm like, I like this song. Like, it was just like, I forgot how much I enjoyed that song. Um, but same with writing. I'll pull something out. I'm like, I remember, and I'm sure you might have had this. Have you ever pulled something out where it's like, oh, who wrote this? And you didn't even yes. know it was you. And then yes. you're like, did I write this?
1: Yep. All the time. Yeah. That's why you really should never throw things out. Well. E- even like, a, a, and it's just scraps and things that you've attempted like I write a lot of just fragmented poetry but I hang on to it because it could develop into something well that was another topic we did before but don't throw anything out I've, I've thrown a couple times I've thrown things out that i would really regretted
0: I think I recently threw out like a journal of when I was like mm-hmm. around 21 or something like that because oh, I did that too It was just a time in my life that I'm like, that's not me anymore. And it's a lot of painful stuff that I was going through. And I'm like, I'm getting rid of this. I'm not that person.
1: I burned all my journals when I was 25.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, because I was was going through like a purge. But there were all my childhood diaries. And now I think "Ah, that was stupid because I could have probably learned a lot from looking back. But I was like, you know, in that mode where I'm putting the past to rest. Little did I know it just comes back to haunt you. Whether you burn the journals
0: or not. So, yeah. Face well, mine, it. I think if it face was it sooner or later, if it was my childhood ones, which I never did, but if I had childhood journals, I probably would keep them. Uh, but it was more like the early 20s, you know, huh. stuff that. Those was,
1: embarrassing t- points in uh, your life when you. Yeah, you know, it was more you real. You feel like you know everything?
0: No, it was really depressing. It was just very uh, depressing stuff. So, it was just like, yeah, yeah I don't need this. But uh, But
1: that sounds like that could be a short story. So This is how my my mind is already spinning that. Like your your journal comes back (laughs) to haunt you.
0: Yeah, like even after you burned it?
1: After you burned it, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Rule four, I think, can separate the men from the boys. Not to use a sexist expression, but you know what I mean? It applies to women, too.
0: The women from the girls.
1: The women from the girls, yeah. But then you have to actually have the courage to get rejected.
0: Yeah. And I think if you're on the fence now and you're listening to this, do it, do it. Who cares? Literally you send it out, you get rejected. I send stuff out with the, um, the idea that it will be rejected, even though that's kind of against the secret. Remember that book?
1: Oh yes. The
0: Mm -hmm. idea is you're supposed to visualize what you want in life and therefore it will happen. And I'm visualizing these rejections, so Rejection. therefore they are happening. So I'm, I'm um, creating that. You should
1: do an experiment, though, and and try actually visualizing your story being included in the anthology that you're submitting to and, right. and making money and see if that changes anything.
0: Yep, so we'll do that for, I will do that for the clown one, which is April 1st, I think I send it in, and we will, maybe we'll do something online to uh, see if everybody okay. can visualize it together while they're listening. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we could do like a group visualization. Yes,
0: and see if we can make it happen. To- and then, uh, so stay tuned.
1: I don't, I read, I remember reading The Secret. Of course, everyone was reading that. I don't know when that came out, like 10 years ago or more. And it's kind of the same theory as that uh, that old book, Think and Grow Rich. Yes. It's the same kind of thing. And I, I do think, I do believe in positive thinking because you can get really mired in the mud if you focus on the negative, like, I mean, I'm I'm thinking I won't name names, but I'm thinking of people I know who who would say, "Oh, I, you know, I, why should I submit my story? They're never going to accept me, you know." And so already you're kind of screwing yourself right right out of the gate when you don't know.
0: That's my dad used to It'll say. He would play the lottery, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Somebody has to win." That was his. Yeah, thing. I no. do.
1: I play the lottery once in a while.
0: I don't, but. I mean, not because – I just don't. I mean, I think it's, it's – a waste like,
1: of money in a lot of ways. Yeah, and
0: I waste money other ways. So I'm like, I don't need another yeah, reason to waste money. <laughs> if you're thinking of submitting to an anthology or a publisher or an agent, do it. If you're thinking of self-publishing, then do it, right? Mm-hmm. You need to put it out there. Like, what did we talk about? The uh, You talked about polishing away – polishing it so much that there's nothing left of your story. Yeah. And that's why Highland's Rule – of you know you must finish you need to eventually say it's done
1: yes and I I think Wesley Dean Dean Wesley Smith mentioned this on his talk about Highland's Rules on YouTube he did a speech about it at, at this convention and he said don't you don't want to edit too much of your own self out of the story like that's Sometimes those are the good things. I mean, I think Joe Hill's writing, I've only read a couple things by him, but to me he he has a very individual style that I really like, but I, I think that that if you if you polish that out, it, you would lose that edge. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Uh, everyone, every writer has a distinctive style, their own voice. You know, and sometimes I'll, if you're in, in like a writer's group, for example, I know uh, Anne Rice said this, that sometimes the feedback you get isn't useful because other writers will be telling you, well, you should do it this way, but that's just how they would do it. Yeah. You have to have the courage and the conviction in your own voice and your own style to maybe take some of that criticism in, ask yourself, do you think it's true or not? And it, it you really have to be careful with that. So, at the end, you have to kind of listen to your own voice and your own heart and think, oh, okay, I'll, well, I really like this. Because in the end, you're really writing for yourself. Don't you agree? Like, I want to write a book that I would like to read.
0: So, that's funny that you book. bring that up because The Sunglasses is not at Night is a story I want in the world. It's a book I want right. to read. And on top of that, I was listening. It was either a podcast, so I was, I was probably reading a book, but it was talking about yeah, I was reading a book. It's called How to Write a Damn Good Mystery. Mm. And it talks about ideas. And basically, Stephen King has the same thought process, that an idea that doesn't leave you alone is probably the one you better be writing. And right. this idea, I've been talking about this for years. I know. And it's like, I can't get it out of my head. I have, and the more I think about it, the better it's getting Uh, but Mm -hmm. it is definitely I don't know I would consider it more of a thriller than horror because it's it's based off uh a murder you know and and who did it kind of thing
1: now are you writing any of this down
0: yeah I have it all I have a Scrivener uh file that I just been putting all my notes in and
1: because um, even when you're like driving to work, if you do your voice recording, I, I've done that before, just like ideas will pop in. I'm like, oh, I got to get this down. But I'm driving. It's just record what I'm thinking about. And later I'll play it back and I'm like, what the heck was that? But at least I got it. I got it down. Yeah. If I'm but in that's a, a great feeling when you're obsessed with a story. And, and that's, the, that's, that's the, definitely the one you should be writing.
0: Right. And I think my fear is that I'm not good enough to write that story. And you know that's why yeah. I'm doing the short stories, trying to get better, as I build the the, sco- the scaffolding for the book. Because even I remember talking to Grady Hendrix about his new book, how to how to sell a haunted house, and I was like, "Well, could you have written this earlier?" And he's like, "No, because it involves family," mm-hmm. and he's like, "I that just was really hard, and I couldn't have done that." my earlier self couldn't have written this book and the same goes for i remember a a podcast i did back when it was this is some scene but the early days when i interviewed you i interviewed jeffrey fletcher who wrote the screenplay for precious which won an academy award his
1: i remember that i listened to that podcast and
0: i had asked him about like he was talking about how long he's been doing this and i said well could the guy who wrote was Wanted to do this years ago. Wrote, could he have done this? And he's like, no, I couldn't have written this back then. And that's interesting, you know. We always think like, uh, you know, these guys come out of the, and and they win an award or something like that. But it's like their earlier self. It, they admit that they couldn't could not have done that. And I think that's what frightens me. Is like, I like this story a lot, and I'm going to try. But I hope I had the chops to do it. You know.
1: Well, let me say this. Maybe when you first introduced this idea to me years ago, maybe then you weren't ready, but I think you're ready now yeah. because you have been writing and you've been working on your craft. And just even if like you get a first draft out and maybe it's just a mess, at least you have now have something to work with. Yeah. Anyway, I want to encourage you to do it. But I feel that too. I I, I feel that like I sat down and I did my writing this morning for this uh, Wattpad contest I'm entering And it's just like YA story. And I sat down, I'd written the first, you know, 2,500 words over the last couple of days. And I sat down and faced the blank page this morning. And I had this moment of, can I do this? I think I feel that almost every time I sit down in front of the blank page, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I can do this. And then I put on the headset and I put my, uh, Zen music on. I set my timer and I I wrote, you know, 1200 words and it was done. So I don't know if it's any good, but at least I did it. I'll tell you, I I believe in that and just doing it.
0: Yeah. There's no other way. You can't, you can't like just imagine it's going to happen. And I think the other thing that you just talked about is true with me is sitting there, staring at the blank screen, that feeling. But if you do just do it, uh, sorry, Nike, but if you if you do that, <laughs> we're, st-
1: we're stealing your logo. Even if
0: what you wrote isn't superb, you will have an amazing feeling at the end. Like I yeah. always feel like, ugh, like that was so good. Even if, it's like running, like you said before. You know, there's this going out and doing a workout isn't what you want to get up and do, right? But after you're done it, you feel like really refreshed and you just have a better, your mind is just happier. And I think the same Absolutely. applies for sitting down and writing. Even if it wasn't the best run, you mm-hmm. still did something and it, it's a good feeling.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's the foundation for all of these rules. And that's why the first rule is you must write because without that one, you, none of the other rules apply. That's right. <laughs> because, you know, you don't have anything to show for it. But I think that the tricks we play on on ourselves, like this rule about, uh, I'm not gonna put that, I'm like, th- I, I'm i challenged by this rule because I've been writing a long time and I've published a lot of self-published. Am I afraid to test my metal in the big leagues? Am I afraid to to actually query and get an agent? I think I am. And I think I've, I've been avoiding this for a while and I should really just face this fear and take it to the next level. So I'm gonna challenge myself to, to do that.
0: Look at that. Very good. So if Mm -hmm. Regina is challenging herself, our listeners, how are you going to challenge yourself and get something out there? And if you want to tell us what that challenge that you're going to do, you can find us on Instagram at Bookworms Harzine. Just find one of our pictures and tell us in the comments what your plan is to challenge yourself. I think that's uh, a lot we've talked about. What is, do you have the list there? Do you know what his, I do actually, what his next.
1: Rule five is, it relates to rule four. Rule five, you must keep it on the market until it has sold.
0: I love that one. Yeah. You know, because that's the part where it's like, even if you got the courage to send it out, the minute it comes back, reject it, you're deflated. And he's saying, no, no. You just keep going until it's sold. You don't stop. It doesn't mean, and we'll talk about this next week, but I don't think it means you don't tweak it. Obviously, if you get some feedback from a publisher and they say, or an editor or an agent, and they say, really like this, but if you could do this, I think it would sell, then you do that work.
1: Yes. And I just wanted to mention that I've been quoting a it's called, the article is called On Writing by Robert J. Sawyer, and it came out in 1996. Wow. And, and it's on this uh, sci-fi website, sci-fi writer website, and he actually has a sixth rule that he adds to the end, so maybe I'll mention that when, when we get, when we're finished all the rules.
0: All right. And then uh, send me that link so I can put it in the show notes. I will.
1: I'll send it right now.
0: All right. Well, then we'll be back in a week with the last rule of robert right. highland's rules of writing
1: and i'm excited to to hear other people's thoughts on these rules because they do generate some interesting conversations
0: yeah i don't know if we should have some kind of group but i don't it's more work if i put like i can create a facebook group and everybody goes and chats but i mean if that's something people are interested oh, yeah. in let us know but otherwise i don't want to do it because it's a lot of uh, a lot of maintenance
1: or a di- or a discord
0: yeah, or a Discord. I have Discord. I could do that, too.
1: I have that, too, and I, I, I have several groups that I, I'm i really bad about getting involved in that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> so- I, I would like to have some way of us to communicate, and, like, right now we have Instagram. You could send a direct message on Instagram, and yeah. uh, that would be great, too.
1: Well, maybe we'll do a Discord at some at some point, because it would be fun to have a chat about some of these ideas.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back in a week.
1: Okay. Good talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye.